Non-Monogamy Help is a podcast where your questions about open, non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships are answered. Our host, Lola Phoenix, will consult a licensed therapist with over a decade of experience to address your problems. Names and locations have been changed or censored to keep your questions anonymous. You're listening to Non-Monogamy Help, the podcast. and welcome to episode 22 of Non-Monogamy Help. I'm Lola Phoenix. Please send your questions to nonmonogamyhelp at gmail.com and they'll be read in the podcast or the column anonymously. If you want to read the columns and listen to the podcast, you can go to nonmonogamyhelp.com. If you want to subscribe to the newsletter, you can go to tinyletter.com forward slash nonmonogamyhelp. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at nonmonogamyhelp. If you want to be amazing and support the podcasts and the columns, please become a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash lobaphoenix. Awesome. So I'm going to apologize first and foremost for right now I have a pretty sad and intense um, sore throat going on. So I am a bit... Um, not so great, but I'm going to go ahead and give you the discussion question for this week that you can share with a partner or a friend if you're interested. So the discussion question this week is list five ways in which you are, after all, quite difficult to live with. And as I do, usually I'm going to answer it as quick fire as I can so as not to delay you from listening to this week's letter. Um, apologies for the siren. Um, so let's see, five ways that I'm quite difficult to live with. I think that I can be quite particular about um, who gets to come into my sleeping space. And I am that way for a lot of complicated trauma-related reasons. So I don't tend to like people being in my sleeping space, even if it's just a hangout. I can be quite weird about that. I think that I'm also a little bit, I'm not really a neat freak, but I do kind of like things to be a bit clean, so I can end up being the one who nags somebody else to clean up a bit more. I think that even though I am a little bit of a clean freak, I also kind of have my designated mess, which could be annoying to somebody else who really, really wants to have everything clean more than I do. And I think in general... I think I'm quite flexible. I don't know if there's another way that I'm difficult to live with. I think I try to be quite flexible for different people because I've lived in so many different situations. So I haven't really had the ability to be annoying about it. So so yeah, but I think those things are probably things that I'll probably clash with people. I do kind of have things... I think everyone has like little things that they like a certain way that annoy them. Like one of mine is I really hate it when people leave dishes inside the sink and make it impossible for me to clean my dishes, but isn't really that big of a deal. But over time, it can degrade on you. So yeah, that is the discussion question this week. I will repeat it again if you would like to introduce it to friends, partners, etc. List five ways in which you are, after all, quite difficult to live with. Great. Awesome. Now I'm going to stop talking and get on to this week's letter. We have been married 24 years, both of us over 50, and I am one and a half years post breast cancer treatment. We both had cheating spouses the first time around, and when I met Hubby, he was a total player. He was 22, five years younger, and way, way more experienced than me. He is very high energy. He's a sexual machine, really. Bipolar and sees sex as a physical act, not an emotional one. He recently said he had his one love in life, and she killed whatever he, whatever he had in him that could love because she betrayed him and abused their son. 
After having no physical contact during chemo, which totally sucked, he now says, I am afraid to hurt you. He is a very big, strong guy, and I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Because he had the fantasy of a threesome, I gave in years ago one time and granted it, even though I didn't want it, because I loved him and wanted him to be happy and thought it might it might get it out of his system. It didn't. I didn't have contact with her during it, and we never saw her again. Now he wants a permanent live-in extra female to have threesomes with, but he doesn't want to share me with any anyone except the other female. He has this whole you're mine, I don't share thing going on. Not that I want to wander, but it's disturbing that he thinks it's okay for him and not me. He has also mentioned the possibility of adding more women later because he feels he could quote unquote handle multiple women. Think sister wives all in all in the same bed. When we met, he juggled multiple women at the same time, but I wasn't aware until we got further into our relationship and were officially dating. I'm not into it. I'm monogamous and have never been anything but and never cheated on anyone, even when just dating someone, even when I was in the Navy and we were not married yet. I can count the guys I've been with on one hand. I'm about to throw in the towel and move on because I feel like this BS your mind crap is going to have me going back into a psychiatric ward. I have major depressive disorder, PTSD, anxiety, panic attacks, the whole thing. I'm seeing a counselor as is he, both through the VA. We're both disabled veterans who do not work. After going through cancer treatments, now I am on hormone suppression to curtail a recurrence of cancer, and that makes me horny all the time. You'd think he would like that, right? Wrong. He complains. Um, yeah, I get that I'm not a supermodel, but he's at least 100 pounds overweight, and it doesn't make me want him any less. I love him, have been in love with him forever, but if he's incapable of loving me back the way I love him, I don't think I can handle the kind of betrayal that would feel like. I'd rather cut my loss and be single until I die. I feel like he married me so I would take care of my stepson. I feel like he is planning on using an extra woman as a preparation for me dying of cancer and that I am now a burden even though I've grown my hair back and can take care of myself. I'm also afraid that he may be unwilling to let me go regardless because we have a lot of financial obligations and I would leave him with all of them because I'm not materialistic and I can move on in, into an apartment or a 55 plus community in the city and wouldn't need a car. Yes, I've been thinking about what ifs. He has forced me to prepare myself for the worst by pushing me towards things I don't want. I left an abusive man I was married to who cheated on me with numerous people constantly. In that instance, I packed a bag and walked out what I could carry after six years of being duped into believing my husband was faithful. His best friends told on him after they discovered that I was faithful and that he was the only one treating our marriage openly. They thought it wasn't fair to me because I was innocent and did everything everything right. I didn't date for a long time afterwards. We had no children because he caused miscarriages and eventually was the reason why I had a total hysterectomy at 25. Sorry, part of why I'm disabled is cognitive issues, memory problems, and concentration issues. So I talk in circles and write in them. Yeah, I'm fucked up. I know it. I didn't cause it or deserved it, but I'm used to it. I can still make to-do lists and follow them. My bills get paid, and I take care of responsibilities and have intelligent conversations. I just get a little lost in them as if I was on cold medicine. I still mow the lawn, putter about with my house houseplants, play with the dog, and for the most part, act and appear normal, if with a dirty sense of humor. So nutshell here, what the actual fuck? And how do I deal with this crap. I know I am strong enough to move on if I have to. I've been there before. I know how to survive, but I would rather save what we have if it can be saved to our mutual benefit. If not, then I will bear the pain and move on knowing I did my best to figure out an amicable way to work it out. So there's there's so much going on here. First, I just want to say I'm sorry because like this really sucks. Like you've gone through cancer treatment and the treatment that you're getting right now is really aberrant. Like, it's 
absolutely unacceptable. There are a lot of really bizarre and just red flags. There's just a lot. There's a whole marquee of red going on through this entire thing. First and foremost, like, you know, if you're monogamous and you don't want and you don't want to be polyamorous, that is absolutely 100% fine. I don't think you need me to tell you that. I think you're quite self-assured in who you are and I think that's great. The biggest things that just sort of hit me off the bat is that you say that he said he had his one love in life and she killed whatever ha- whatever he had in him that could love. That is a very very horrible thing to say. And also just a what I feel is and I'm and you know I'm not a, a therapist but and I'm not an expert in abuse, but I have had experiences with people who kind of set things up in a way where they can say, well, I told you that I was terrible, or I told you, as if that you are to blame. So this feels very much to me like, you know, sometimes people who are quite terrible will give you these little warnings, and then they can turn around and say, oh, but I warned you. I warned you that I'm I'm this way. So what? Like it, like it makes it acceptable for them to be that way? He tells you and has told you multiple times that he's not in love with you you know, how can he say that whoever this is killed whatever he had in him that could love? That's such a disgusting thing to say. People have been through, you know, and I'm not trying to minimize what he's been through. He may have been through a very, very terrible relationship. And he may, it's one thing to say, like, look, I've been through a very, very terrible, difficult relationship. It's really hard for me to trust. It's really hard for me to be vulnerable. It's really hard for me to be intimate with people. Apologize for the siren. It's another thing to say that you can't love anyone else anymore. And it's such utter horseshit. Like, with all due respect to him, it is utter horseshit. There have been people who have been through incredible amounts of trauma and and still managed to love people. So it's just patent bullshit. And it's one of those things that's just, like, a huge red flag. It just sounds like something that he can go back to later and say, Well, I said that I can't love anyone which is horseshit. He can love people. He can. And that's no excuse for his behavior. The other thing that I'm kind of picking up on, and you haven't explicitly said this, you haven't explicitly said that he's criticized your appearance, but you talk a little bit about your appearance in here. You talk about how, you know, he, he, you talk about how he, he basically wants to have this because he wants to have more sex, yet you are not you know, you're not disinterested in sex. And then you sort of talk about how, you know, you've, you've, you've grown out your hair back and you can take care of yourself. You were, you had cancer. Like the whole point and well, not the whole point, but like a big part of a partnership is supporting someone else. And I don't know whether this is your talk to yourself, making you think that, you know, that you were a burden for having cancer and needing probably needing some help and support from him which I hope he provided but you're not a burden at any point even if you were hair even if you get you know your cancer comes back and you do have to go through chemo again and your hair starts falling out again you're you still shouldn't be a burden to somebody and and because you mentioned like your hair growing back and like that you're not a supermodel and that he complains it makes me wonder is he complaining about your appearance because that's really not cool like, you know, there, there's one thing, I think that people who are together, especially in a monogamous situation, 
you know, you can give feedback. Like if, if I have a partner and their breath stinks, I'm going to tell them that breath stinks. But there's a difference between, you know, something like that and what sounds like some criticism of your appearance, which is just... It, it crosses the line into abuse. Like, like the reason why abusive people will sort of pick, 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 it's picking at your self-worth and your self-esteem. And the good thing is, is that from your letter, I get the sense that that isn't really working on you. I mean, you do t kind of down talk yourself a little bit in this, which I'll talk about later, but you do overall seem confident, but that's the sort of thing that sort of chip, chip, chips away and gets at your confidence and undermines you and is just really a terrible thing to do. So that's not cool either. That's another big red flag. The other thing is, is that like you at the end of this letter, you talk about you want to see what if what you have can be saved for your mutual benefit. And yet throughout this entire situation, not only are you getting the feeling that he has he is not interested in mutual benefit, but he's making that patently obvious. Now, there's a thing in within polyamory that people refer to as the one penis policy, which is when exactly this kind of situation when a and this is usually cis people that we're talking about i'm not saying that trans people can't have a one genital policy but usually it's referring to a situation with a cisgender woman and a cisgender man and where the man is okay with a cisgender woman basically sleeping with only women but no men so he's he's owning you he has this you're mine i don't share but not with other women not that it would be better if he didn't let you sleep with or if he if he wanted to sleep with other people and didn't want you to sleep with any other people i mean that's not better but it is very uh, the, the the problem with this kind of policy where it's like you're not allowed to have sex with other men but you can have sex with other women is just really gross because not only is it generally transphobic because i'm you know, uh, generally people who have this kind of policy aren't very open about gender and, and aren't very understanding or judge trans people in negative ways and probably, you know, are just flat out rejecting the, the fact that non-binary people exist. But this kind of a thing is very, it's basically saying that women aren't a threat. It's very sexist and, and outdated and ridiculous. So he's going to let you sleep with his other females, which, by the way, I don't know if that is a word that he used or it's a word that you use. If it's a word he used, again, another red flag here. When people call women females, female what? <laughs> he wants a live-in extra female. A female what? So it's not... It's a it's a degrading thing to call a woman a female. It's It's very... It's, it's hard for me to like adequately describe it, but it's just very cold and it, it just, it's objectifying. He's, he's objectifying these women, he's objectifying you, and he, he thinks he can handle multiple women, and yet here you are wanting to sleep with him and he's complaining about that, and he's complaining about your appearance. Here you are, like, you know, trying your best and he's not putting up any effort he can't even handle the the person that he's in a relationship with let alone multiple people because he's being incredibly selfish and sexist here it's absolutely unacceptable like there are people who choose to live in this kind of situation where there's one guy and and a bunch of women if that's how everyone in this situation is choosing to live i still think it's not okay to to basically act like women aren't a threat or to basically create this kind of system when it's based on these ideas that um you know men can handle multiple women i just even that word handle like it's just it's just gross it's just gross 
it's horrible. It's a massive red flag that he doesn't have any respect, not only for you, but for these women. It would be a totally different thing if he had come to you and he had said, you know, I'm struggling a bit with, you know, my libido and, um, you know, the fact that you've had cancer has been really stressful on me. You know, it's okay that he's scared of hurting you. Like, that's legit. And if he would like, you know, if, if there was some way I could kind of do something sexual with somebody else to kind of let off steam, you know, that would be one thing. This is not that thing. You know, there might be very understandable things going on or underneath all of these layers of terrible, but there's still a lot of layers of terrible. And the other thing is, is that you need, you know, you've got an intuition here. I mean, you need to look at what you've written. The, the, like, the saddest thing that you've said in this letter is, I feel like he married me so I would take care of my stepson. So his child, I assume. I feel like he is planning on using an extra woman as a preparation for me dying of cancer. So he's trying to figure out, like, basically have a backup wife. And that's really horrible. Like, you know, dealing with death is quite difficult. And it's it's quite a hard subject for a lot of people to talk about. It's a very taboo subject. This is like a whole other thing in terms of the taboo, taboo nature of death that I could talk about for hours, but I won't get into it. But the point is, is that like, it's okay for him to be scared of that. But this, if he wants to make sure he's not, you know, alone, there are better ways of doing it. I just... Like, I think maybe underneath all this, there are some understandable feelings, but what he's doing is displaying an incredible lack of respect for you, an incredible lack of respect for what you have together. And so you, when you talk about if it can be saved for your mutual benefit, it doesn't exist in your mutual benefit right now, you know? He doesn't, he isn't helping you out right now. You've gone through so much, like you've survived cancer and, you know, what has he done? Like, I mean, I, you don't write it about how he supported you. I really hope that he did support you, but now he's complaining and now he wants, you know, essentially a, a backup bunch of women who he can also lean on, you know, that can help, you know, support him and do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't... He is not showing, a rem like, how scary it must be for you to have faced this. How scary must it be to have this threat that hanging over your head? You do seem very self-assured. But just because someone seems self-assured doesn't mean they don't need support. And it, there's nothing that he's doing that is demonstrating that he respects the, the enormity of the situation in front of you. He's not even showing that. So how can you create a mutual benefit situation where someone is clearly not invested in you in an amicable way to work it out? So this is this is the last thing. And this is the last big red flag and the thing that I'm really worried about. And I might be taking what you said off on a tangent and that's fine. But the fact that you said, I'm afraid he may be unwilling to let me go. He has to because you're a grown ass adult. Doesn't seem like you have any qualms about leaving but I don't know what you meant by I'm afraid he may be unwilling to let me go and you talk about trying to find an amicable way I mean I don't are you afraid of him are you really worried that that something might happen to you if that he might hurt you if you leave if you are worried about that part of the battle with people in abusive relationships is them I think it's a statistic or something is like it takes 
like four four to seven or I can't remember what the number is an average amount of um, attempts for someone who is in an abusive relationship to leave that person and some of it has to do with you know the fact that it's very hard to break the cycle and because of the kind of manipulation that abusers do and it seems like he has manipulated you a bit but it doesn't seem like you are you know you say I'm strong enough to move on if I have to and it seems like you have that confidence to sort of go you know what I'm done with this and you've got the right vigor like you're sitting here going what the actual fuck how do I deal with this crap you don't that's the answer you don't deal with this crap because you deserve 100% better and you know if you are scared of him or if you think that there he might physically prevent you from leaving then you do your best to make arrangements talk to a, a domestic abuse shelter and they can they should have programs that help people get you know physically escape situations if that's what you're really worried about but you know you you seem like you're able to take care of yourself in terms of living on your own. It really sucks. This is such a terrible situation for you to be in. And I, I can't even express like how, how sad I am for you in this situation. Like you don't seem to be the kind of person, I could be wrong, but you don't seem to be the kind of person that would necessarily want anyone to feel sorry for them. But you've just gone through so much. And I think the least of what you deserve is, is someone who respects that and someone who respects you and someone who is willing to give you the support you need the last thing you need right now after you've just survived through a bunch of chemo treatments and dealt with all of that stress the last thing you need is someone going oh yeah I want to have a bunch of women and you can sleep with them but you can't sleep with anyone else and yeah I think I could have multiple women because I think I could handle them it's just patently fucking ridiculous like I'm I'm so sorry you're in this situation because it's so ridiculous and you deserve so much better but yeah I just I just uh, yeah <laughs> I really hate sometimes having to to give this advice because I think you know I would I usually for most situations unless they're of a direct threat to someone I try to see if there can be ways to solve it because there are sometimes when people just have they don't have inherent incompatibilities but they they have just disagreements and sometimes there are ways to solve them there are probably people out there that exist in a very similar scenario to this where you know their partner has multiple partners and it, it you seem like the kind of person where if if he had approached you and said that he wanted to have multiple partners but didn't place any restrictions on you you might have even gone with that you maybe you know even though you're monogamous or you might have considered the possibility but your spider senses are tingling for a reason like this whole ownership of you is is unacceptable and yeah, you can't work. You can only work. And this is one of the reasons why I tell people constantly that relationships aren't skills, that you don't fail relationships, because it takes the people within that relationship working together. And you can't work with someone who refuses to work with you. You can't build anything amicable or build to a mutual benefit with someone who clearly does not have your best needs at heart or cares about your benefit. I mean, he just, like, there's so many things here that just say he doesn't care. It's a complete side note. I know I'm trying to come to a close, but, like, let's let's just examine the cognitive dissonance within his statements. He's saying he's lost his ability to love because his, uh, his ex-wife, you know, stole that from him or whatnot. And then he's also saying that he can handle multiple women. I mean, maybe he means just sexually, but, like, you know, these live-in wives, are they not going to be loved? Is he, is he just going to have multiple females uh, in his abode that he doesn't love? I mean, this is ridiculous. 
it's ridiculous and you deserve so much better than this and I wish that I had you know if he if he had come at you trying to explore polyamory clumsily you know if he had come at you and said I'm interested in an extra or live it even extra female like that's it's like an extra like what like like it's like the person's a side order of fries like oh gosh you know, if he had come to you with a, a request to open up your relationship so that he could meet some of his sexual needs without the complaining about your appearance, without the he can't love anybody anymore, without the instinct you have that he's trying to find a backup wife, it would have been one thing. You could have maybe worked that to your mutual benefit, but he is showing you who he is. And I just don't think that you should put up with it. I'm really sorry that there isn't anything better I can say. But, you know, what you've done so far, like you've come so far and you've, you know, you've done some amazing things. Like it, you've survived so much. Like it, the, the relationship you described with your previous, the abusive man you were with, absolutely freaking horrible and you've survived through a lot and you just deserve especially after you survived abusive people you survived cancer like after all of that you really deserve to have somebody in your life who respects you and who and who cares about you and who cares about you know your needs and your life and just you can do better i really genuinely think so you know, it's never too late. <laughs> but yeah, I th that's that's my advice with this, and I, I really, really hope it helps, and good luck. Thank you so much for listening to episode 22 of Non-Monogamy Help. I deeply, deeply apologize if you heard some background noise. Um, I am recording this in my flat, as I always say, so there's sirens and flatmate noise, lots of other things. Just as a reminder, I'd really, really love for you to subscribe to the podcast and the column. You can subscribe to the podcast through wherever you get your podcasts, usually. There's also an RSS feed. You can find that at the Twitter account at Non-Monogamy Help. That's the username, and there's a pinned post where you can, I think, that where you can find. If not, you can find it on the Libsyn site, so you should be able to find where to subscribe to the podcast. But you can also subscribe on medium.com forward slash non hyphen monogamy hyphen help and I post the columns and the podcasts there if you want them in your inbox you can get them at tinyletter.com forward slash non monogamy help and if you want to be an amazing human I deeply deeply support all my patrons it's really really helpful for me it helps me pay for the podcast hosting and all of the other bits for scheduling social media things that make this so much so much easier for me and if you donate five quid or five dollars actually it's not five pounds but five dollars or more a month your name will be read at the end of the podcast if you give me the consent for that because I always like to make sure before I just assume and the patrons that are currently supporting at the $5 level are Laura Boylan, Chris Albury-Jones, Frenzy, and James Wartell. Thank you so much for being amazing patrons, and thank you for listening, and you will get the next podcast in, oh, not a week, in two weeks. That's how it works, isn't it? Every other week, that's how it works. Awesome. <laughs> One day I'll get that right. Cool. Thanks so much. Bye. You've been listening to Non-Monogamy Help. Our podcast music has been provided by Chris Albury-Jones at albury-jones.com. And the art was made by Dom Jung at d-o-m-d-u-o-n-g.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>